Praise God. Please take your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 3, I'm sorry. We are looking at the qualifications for Christian elders, Christian leaders. Uh, how long have the firemen been here, man? How, since, since what time? Since nine. Wow, Shane all the way from nine, and then you, the rest of you guys. They've been working on your women's bathroom, girls, so be thankful. Amen. Praise the Lord. Appreciate you guys, man. It's awesome. Really appreciate the work. Uh, you know, we're all firefighters. Amen. The Bible tells us to snatch people out of the fire. Amen. You guys are twice firefighters, though. We're, we're just once, but hey, it's an important job, man. Uh, you know, uh, speaking of firefighting, I want to do some firefighting today because the Bible says to have mercy on some who are doubting, save others, snatching them out of the fire, and have mercy uh, with fear, you know, hating the garment that's even polluted by the flesh. So we're told in the book of Jude we're supposed to snatch people out of the fire. And as Christians, uh, there are a lot of professing Christians that are in the fire right now. A lot of people in churches right now, I mean, I would say probably millions in the United States who go to church on Sunday, but they live a, many live in the Bible Belt, but they're getting drunk throughout the week and partying. It's, it's a reality. I'm sorry. And my heart breaks, man, because the last thing I want to see is the Bible be used to justify uh, drunkenness, justify uh, sin, and Satan loves to use deception. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, or verse 1, and we'll start with verse 1, it's a trustworthy statement. If a man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. And we've covered those verses. And then now in verse 3, which we looked at last week, we had one study on that, not addicted to wine. Not addicted to wine. Notice he doesn't say not addicted to bourbon or vodka, you know, uh, because those drinks didn't exist in those days. The distillation process wasn't invented till the Middle Ages. So the Bible speaks of strong drink. It's speaking of just straight wine when it warns about strong drink. And so leaders are here warned not to be addicted, uh, uh, not to be addicted to wine. And uh, it's important to understand there are two extremes. One extreme is to say, as I mentioned last time, that every time the Bible mentions wine, and it talks about drinking wine at all. It's always talking about just straight grape juice uh, that's new wine and hasn't been fermented and has no alcoholic content in it at all. So, you know, you can only drink grape juice, and that's what the Bible's talking about whenever people drink wine. And that's just ridiculous. I'm sorry. When you go through the Scripture and you're honest with the Scripture, uh, why are we told that the deacons aren't to be drinkers of too much wine? I don't think God's warning about too much Welch's grape juice, okay? Uh, the Bible's very clear that... Uh, now, there is a new wine. There is grape juice, obviously, but that would only last for so long before it would ferment because they didn't have refrigeration back in those days. So I think it's important that we understand that's one extreme. The other extreme is to act as though getting drunk is okay. Catching a buzz is okay with God, when it's absolutely not. The Bible warns us not to be intoxicated by alcohol. It's very, very severe warnings. And if I was going to err on one side or the other, I'd rather err with the crowd who thinks wrongly. You know, I don't want to earn anyway, though. I want to be in the straight and narrow road. But I'd rather be on the side that's just uh, totally, you know, saying you can't even have a drop of alcohol because they're safe at least. Uh, no drunk, nobody's ever become a drunkard who abstains from alcohol totally. Amen? Nobody's wrapped his car around a telephone pole or, or ca caused others to die or died of liver cancer or some other cancer because they abstained as a result of alcohol because they've abstained from alcohol. Now, um, However, I, I like to be on the narrow road, and I like to stay away from extremes on both sides. Unfortunately, I gave you some statistics last week where a ton of professing Christians believe it's okay to get drunk on certain occasions. That is absolutely not biblical. And to be a leader, Paul says, uh, an overseer, he cannot be addicted to wine. I mean, how would you like it if you came to me or, or Pastor Steve or one of the elders for counseling and we were drunk, you know? Or we're just a little buzzed. You like that? You think that's cool? Think we'd give you really good counsel? No. Where's too far? Where's, where's the line? Anything that affects your thinking, that changes your thoughts, 
That has you thinking ways you wouldn't normally think at all? Has you saying things you wouldn't normally say? I would say that's too far, amen? Because that means you are intoxicated to one degree or another. And if you can all of a sudden do things you wouldn't do when you were not drinking, but you drink because you could do them then, well, that's wrong. That means you're under the power of alcohol. And God wants to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, amen? amen. And choose the higher. So the scriptures warn in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink. Now they didn't have, as I said, bourbon and you know, distilled spirits then. So strong drink was just straight wine, was unmixed. I shared with you last time, I proved it from history and from Scripture that they mixed down their wine. So when they used the word wine, it typically had to do, the Jews I showed you, mix it anywhere from 10 parts water to one part wine, all the way down to three parts water and one part wine. I was quoting the Talmud and so forth. I quoted the, the pagan leaders of the day of Jesus' time and during the church fathers where they talked about only the barbarians, the worst guys, they're the ones that mix theirs half and half. Like, that's horrible, you know? It's like unheard of to do that. The barbarians are doing that. Yet the Bible warns, and I gave this, look, listen to last week's study, I gave you warning after warning of, the, of strong drink in the Bible. And I told you, when you look at the Scripture, I quoted Maccabees, which is not Bible, that's not Scripture, but that's a historical book. Catholics codify it as Scripture, it's not Scripture. But it talks about how they mixed their water with their wine in the book of Maccabees, which was written in the intertestamental period between Malachi and the Gospels. I say this to you guys in love because I care about you. And as a, as a pastor, a pastor means shepherd. As a shepherd, I have to make sure that I warn the flock. And I see this as a huge problem in the church. And I don't see a lot of people in our fellowship, thank God, walking around drunk and getting drunk and so forth. But if you're, if you're changing the way you talk and the way you think with alcohol and you just hide it, God sees you and he wants to bless you. He doesn't want you to harm yourself. And my heart breaks over this issue, hence the reason there's a second message on this, because I think this is a very, very important issue, because I really do believe millions of people, millions of people that go to church are going to hell, because when I read Paul saying, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 10, do not be deceived, drunkards will not inherit God's kingdom, he's saying that because he knows a lot of people will be deceived. Amen? Amen. And if I fail to talk about an issue that I know is damning all kinds of souls, and I know, I mean, on Christian, so-called Christian college campuses, in many ways, they're not distinguishable from secular universities. Did you know that? A lot of the young people just go out and get hammered, and, they, and then they go to chapel, and they claim to be Christians. But am I going to go with their opinions, or am I going to go with God's word? It says, don't be deceived. Drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, and that's why we have to warn people. And my prayer today has not just been that you get it and you understand it. And praise God, Jim Murphy right there shared with me before service last Sunday. He said, Joe, I just want to encourage you and let you know that that message you preached last Wednesday impacted different people that came to me and said it's really impacted their life and how they look at alcohol and it's going to affect their habits or what they do. I said, praise God for that. But you know what? I think sometimes I do that. I preach a message. People get it to a degree. But I think some of those folks lapse back because you get slammed with commercials and everything else, you know. And, and the ways of the world, and there's a fear of man, there's the one to fit in, there's, there's maybe handling your depression by trying to be inebriated instead of seeking the Lord in prayer and crying out to Him and trusting the Lord and walking in the Spirit, it just breaks my heart. So wine is a mocker and strong drink, a brawler. And we talked about in Revelation when it talks about the grapes of wrath, that God will, God will pour out the wrath like wine upon the wicked. I pointed out to you in the Greek, it says un, like unmixed wine. Why didn't he just say, I mentioned to you that, that, yeah, last week, why didn't he just say he pour out his wrath like wine? Why, why didn't he say unmixed wine? Because we wouldn't say that today. Because people don't typically mix their wine today. So we wouldn't have to say unmixed wine for people to understand it was strong drink. But he says it because when people saw the word wine, they understood it as being a mixture of water. Because they had a, it was, had great benefits because it was a disinfectant on wounds, Right? It was a painkiller, Proverbs 31, for those who were perishing, right? So, and it was a disinfectant, as I mentioned, on wounds, and it was a painkiller. Uh, this good Samaritan used it upon the, the, the Jewish man who was hurt. He poured some wine on his wound. And it's important. It also was a water purifier. Timothy, who didn't want to drink any wine at all, so I was totally abstain, Paul says, take a little wine with your water for your frequent stomach ailments. 
Because Timothy was like, I think, just trying to be hardcore. I'm not going to drink. I don't, I don't even drink this polluted water because I don't want to stay away from it. And Paul says, a little wine. Just a little with your water. And the Greek word means a puny amount of wine. Enough to kill the germs. Enough to disinfect. So that's why the Bible doesn't condemn wine because it was used for medicinal purposes and as a painkiller. But it does condemn us being inebriated by it. Just like if you were given opium because you're on your deathbed and you need it and you're in this great pain, that's one thing. It's another thing to start taking it for pleasure. Do you understand? And what people are getting mixed up, oh, God wants us to have it for pleasure. Because Jesus, after all, turned water into wine. Again, what was the water like then? What was the wine like then when they drank it? Three to ten parts water to one point wine. Okay? And Jesus could not have been getting them drunk because the Bible says he kept God's law perfectly. He never sinned. And Habakkuk says, woe to the one who gets his neighbor drunk. And I also pointed out to you in, Pro in the book of Proverbs, it warns about even mixed drink. It's mixed. It says those who linger at mixed wine. So you can even hang out with wine that's been mixed with water and mixed down and linger at it for a long time. And it goes on to talk about bloodshot eyes. So even the, water, the wine that's mixed down, they could overdrink. And then he warns them against hard drink. He says, don't gaze at the wine. You remember that? Do you remember? Don't gaze at it when it's what? Do you remember that? When it's red in the glass. Why? Because when it's red, it's not diluted. And it's tempting. Are you with me? It's all very, very reasonable, isn't it? But do you know 90-some percent of the church is deceived on this whole matter? And they'll go to weddings. Don't let that be you at a wedding. Oh, I'm at a wedding. Jesus, turn water into wine. So I guess I get hammered and get drunk. Don't let that happen to you, okay? I've been at a lot of weddings where I've had to say no. I just don't even have a drop because I don't want to be a stumbling block to people, but I don't want to allow myself to be affected. And I don't want to, you know, and it breaks my heart because it's just it's so heartbreaking. So uh, I just kind of reviewed a little bit of what we talked about last time, but I want to under, you to understand he's talking about leaders here and the man of God here is what everybody should aspire to be as a man of God. If a woman of God should have the same, seek to grow in the same holy and righteous characteristics uh, as the man. Uh, hence, you know, the, the things that transfer over. Obviously, husband to one wife isn't going to work, you know. Uh, but the, also the man of God here that can be an elder also has to have able, be able to teach. Okay, not everybody has that gift, but all the other attributes there are things that God wants the man of God to grow in. That's why this applies to us all to one degree or another. This passage is so robust. And I love it because it challenges us, it disciples us. And that's one way. I, I, I love my job, man. Lord, show me, wow, I get to disciple my brothers and sisters, not only at Blessed Hope, but through the internet and uh, podcasts and, and uh, videos and, and so forth. And uh, what opportunity. But... I'm not going to be a faithful steward if I don't speak the truth when it's uncomfortable. In fact, you might have noticed through the years that I tend to speak the truth in areas that are less popular than others because I feel they need to be, have more attention than they get. And because I think a lot, when you look at the prophets in the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they're speaking of the issues, or Micaiah, who we dealt with a little bit recent, more recently uh, when he was the only prophet against 400 false prophets. We want to stand even if we have to stand alone, Amen. Because God wants us to stand up, and, and, and we serve an audience of one ultimately, amen? And I'm going to answer to God. So this is an issue that, is, that burns on my heart because my heart knows a lot of, I know a ton of people are perishing because of this. Uh, and leaders, speaking of leaders, listen to what it says in Proverbs 31, 4 and 5. It's not for kings. Listen to what it says. It's not for kings. This is Solomon. The most wisest guy on the earth. It's not for kings, O Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink. For they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. They're going to forget God's word. They're going to forget God's law. They're going to pervert his word. They're going to uh, not have the, you know, uphold the rights of the afflicted, which is kind of crazy, man. I mean, our world, our nation is crazy right now. It's like the criminals get more rights than the average citizens. Isn't that crazy? I mean, what, in our country, you can rip off a store up to like 995 bucks and you won't go to prison? You just get a slap on the hand, a misdemeanor, and they just do it over and over again? The guy that just did that shooting, right, at the school, killed a few people, he was in and out, he was busted for, you know, crimes, and just, they just let him right back out. 
And, you know, and, and it's amazing because basically it makes sense because guess what? Our leaders are drunk, many of them. Our leaders are drunk. Uh, in fact, uh, according to Washington Business Journal, uh, and this was in 2012, Washington, D.C., America's second drunkest state. Hmm. So-called state, right? Uh, 2018, fast forward a little bit. This is according to The Hill, an article I just looked at. I've seen articles like this over and over again through the years. The Hill reports in 2018, it jumps up, right? Washington, D.C., that's where our leaders are, the capital, right? Has the highest rates of binge and problem drinking in America. Answers a lot of questions, doesn't it? From the executive branch to Capitol Hill, K Street lobbying firms to high-pressure newsrooms, free alcohol is easily accessible. The days of uh, the days of three martini lunch may be gone, but they have been replaced by hard partying nights filled with fundraisers, receptions, or long bar or long bar tabs. There's just, strong, there's just a strong push in culture intoxication in D.C. It's been like that for a long time, said Kevin Sabet, who served at the White House's Office of National Drug and uh, Control Policy in three different administrations. He says it's not a Republican or Democrat issue. It really cuts across all ideologies. So both parties, man, are, a lot of these guys are getting hammered, getting drunk. I think our Speaker of the House years ago the, from the Republican side, he was a bartender before he got into politics, you know. And I don't know how much he drank, but he had a red face a lot, and he just didn't seem all there sometimes. <sighs> no wonder our country's out of control. Strong drinks, not for kings. Proverbs 31, 4 and 5. It's not for leaders. By the way, the priests were warned, those who were ministering in the sanctuary, in Leviticus 10, 8, and 9, were forbidden Drinking. It's interesting because Jesus is, Jesus didn't get drunk because it's forbidden kings. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Amen. Amen. And he's the high priest. Amen. Amen. And, and drunkenness is sin. Harlot, Harlot, uh, Hosea chapter 4, verse 11 says, Harlotry, wine and new wine, take away the understanding. Remember when I used to party, when I used to get drunk, man, my understanding would just go out the window. You know, it's that liquid courage, supercharged, you just say stupid things, you do certain things, certain dumb things. It really messes you up, man. And look at what the Bible says about Jewish leaders. Go to Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28. And this is just, talks about the priest. And this is a messianic prophecy about how God's leadership of Israel will reject the Messiah. They'll reject the cornerstone. They'll reject him. They'll speak to them through stammering lips, through tongues. It's talking about uh, when the Messiah comes and so forth. And look at the state of these wicked leaders in uh, chapter 28, verses 7 and 8. And these also reel, they reel like back and forth with wine and stagger from strong drink. The priest and the prophet reel with strong drink. They are confused by wine. They stagger from strong drink. They reel while having visions. They totter when rendering judgment. Verse 8, for all the tables are, are full of filthy vomit without a single clean place. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Some of the leadership of Israel. No wonder they missed the Messiah. No wonder they couldn't discern the times when Jesus came. Amen? It says they rejected the cornerstone and they made a covenant with Sheol, hell. And by the way, Caiaphas, who rejected Jesus, the high priest, they found in his family tomb when they discovered it, a coin put in his daughter's mouth to Sharon, the, the, the fairy god that would ferry you down the river Styx to Hades, making a covenant with death. It says they made a covenant with death in, here in this chapter. And Caiaphas's family was making a covenant with death to help them overcome the coming scourge. But in 70 AD, man, God used the Roman army to wipe Israel out. Every stone in the temple. Really, it gets really heavy. I don't want to get too deep on this, but it's quite interesting. So alcohol, 31 of Proverbs, can cause you to forget the law, forget the law and stumble in judgment and pervert judgment. In chapter 28, we're seeing this with leadership. No wonder God warns elders not to be addicted to wine. Amen? In the church. I know of, uh, it's popular. Pastors talk about, you know, they celebrate alcohol. 
I, was, I watched uh, R.C. Sproul, not R.C. Sproul Sr. who died, but R.C. Sproul Jr. I saw him a couple times on YouTube, and he's teaching, and his face is all red, you know, and, and puffy, and he's got all this hard alcohol right in front of him in this, like, this little cabinet or coffee table kind of just sitting there. And I'm like, what in the world, man? And then he bragged about how his parishioners, young people, well, even young guy, would give him whiskey, you know, for Pastor's Appreciation Day, apparently. And then he got pulled over, drunk, DUI, with a young person in the vehicle. Yeah, that really happened, you know. So what is going on when the leaders are doing this? What's it lead the young people to think? It's just heartbreaking stuff, guys. God doesn't want us to forget his word. In Philippians 1.10, it says that we're to bound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve the things that are excellent. God wants us to be into his word. Psalm 119, verse 16 says, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Psalm 1-2 says that, the, that the, it's God's will that the man of God, quote, delight in the law of the Lord, and in his law he does meditate day and night. Amen? God wants you meditating on his word. He wants his thoughts to become your thoughts. Amen? And alcohol leads you to thoughts that are not your thoughts in ways that are not God's, or I should say not his thoughts, in ways that are not his ways. Now, it's interesting Go to Proverbs chapter 23, verse 32. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 32. And it's interesting because when we look at the Proverbs, there's a lot of mentions against, or, or you know, scriptures against alcohol there. But it's interesting because in chapter 23, verse 32, I mentioned this last week, but I want to take it a different direction than I did last week. Verse 32 at last, he's talking about alcohol. Look at verse, we'll, we'll go up to verse, verse 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? I remember with my friends, man, we'd get drunk and man, there'd be contentions. Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? It's, in other words, wounds, you don't know where these wounds came from. Bruises on the outside, maybe internal problems because of alcohol on the inside. Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long over wine. Those who taste mixed wine. So even mixed wine that's mixed with water, if you linger long over it, it can affect you. Oh, it's just, my beer only has this much percentage of alcohol. Well, guess what? How many are you drinking, man? You know? And you don't have to drink much. Some are what's called lightweights, right? It can affect them real quick. And women get drunk on average twice as fast as men on, on, on half the alcohol. Verse 31, do not look on wine when it is what? Red. Red, that's because it's strong drink. It hasn't been mixed down. That's very deadly. When it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly, at last it bites like a what? A serpent. Yep, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your mind will utter perverse things. And you will be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea or like one who lies down on the top of a mast. They struck me, but I did not become ill. They beat me, but I did not know it. When, I, when shall I awake? That, that's, side of, that's not me. That's, you know. I'll, I'll seek another drink. That's addiction, right? Even though there's all these terrible consequences. Can't even remember what happened. I've been there before. When I used to be a drunkard before I became a Christian. Can't remember what happened. Friends tell you how stupid you were being the night before, you know. And thinking, waking up sometimes just with a bad hangover, I'm never going to do that again. But then looking forward, a couple days go by, waiting to get hammered again. Just such a, but interesting, it bites like a serpent. I used to love to catch snakes. And I used to catch rattlesnakes in, uh, up in the hills. Another fireman gave me a little letter. Hey, Joe, that's, you can't, that's illegal. You don't have a permit. You know, because I brought one to church and I wasn't handling it. I just put it in the box. And I mentioned in that box, it was kind of a Tupperware thing that was open. And I pointed out that, that sexual sin is deadlier than, than, than handling a rattlesnake because more people die from sexual sin all the time, every day, than you die in a year. I can't remember all that I said. From Only four or five people die from rattlesnake bites in the United States a year. But every time I pointed at it, that rattlesnake, because it was open, that rattlesnake would go off. 
And people thought it was just some gimmick. And I had Lenny or whoever was doing sound back there just doing a sound when I pointed at it. They came up and they go, oh, you really got one. I go, yeah, you know. But guess what? Last thing I would do is hang out with that rattlesnake and play with it. I mean, I think that rattlesnake, I ran, I caught it, and I'm holding it real tight by the neck, and I ran home with it because I was jogging. And my hand got numb eventually because <laughs> I was holding it so tight. I was like, am I holding it tight enough? He's like, I hope we don't die, you know. But you know what? That wasn't very smart. But you know what? I, it would be even more foolish to cuddle that thing, man, and hang out with it as though it was my friend. And that's what you do when you drink. You're hanging out with a snake, man, that's going to bite you. And it's going to poison you. And snakes poison you. And what's interesting is I've talked about being poisoned spiritually. But, and I, last week I mentioned something that hit me like a ton of bricks. It even hit me harder this week because it's interesting. I point out when it says, don't look at wine when it's red, right? Because that's the kind of wine that they didn't have the white, more upper European wine was more white. Uh, in the Middle East, it's more red typically. And, and the word red, I pointed is the word ADAM and, or transliteration, Adama. It's the word we get Adam and the word we get red from. Remember Adam and Esau and that tie in with the, the color red? So I thought this is an interesting tie. You have Adam here and you have a serpent here. And I thought, isn't that interesting? But you know what? One other thing. Don't look at it when it's red. What was Eve doing when she was talking to the serpent? She saw that she looked. She saw, the, she saw that the, the fruit was good for eating. Yet it was forbidden. And it's interesting. I don't believe it's an accident. I thought this is even heavier than I thought about it. I thought more about it. I go, ooh, you got Adam there. You got the look like Eve. And you got the serpent all right here. It's a warning, you know, of being deceived. And we need to obey God's word. But Satan's going to say to you, hath God said, you know, you shall not drink. After all, Jesus turned water into wine. You can get drunk, you know. He used the same tactics today. And you guys... Don't be deceived. Drunkards will not inherit God's kingdom, right? So it's interesting. And by the way, it is a poison. Spiritually, yes, but it's also poison. You know your, you know your body? You know alcohol is po a poison, has ethanol in it. And right when you start drinking, you know what your body starts doing? Your, you know why your blood pressure rises? Because you know why they tell people with high blood pressure don't drink? It rises because it's rising to try to expel the poison from your body that you just put. Right when you start drinking alcohol, your body's trying to flush it out. That should tell you something. I remember when I first started drinking, you know, you cough and whatever when you drink hard alcohol. Uh, I remember when I first started smoking, I'm like choking, coughing. That's my body saying, don't do it, dummy. But then you just keep doing it, and then you get used to it. Same with alcohol. Not very smart, Joe. So what's interesting is, and actually really, really sad is, your body is actually trying to go to extremes to increase your blood pressure to get rid of the toxins that you've put in your body. And you'll even vomit at times, right? I remember puking several times when I was drinking. My body's saying, Joe, get that out of your system. You know, that's God trying to protect you. And you can destroy your liver, which is a filter in your body, all kinds of things from alcohol. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you want me to just skip messages like this and just, you know, preach the easy stuff? Good. I'm glad you said no, because if you said yes, I was not going to listen to you, of course. But praise God. I love you. That's why I love you too much. To, and I don't think that's why you're here. I know the people in this fellowship love truth. And, uh, but 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is when in verse 9 and 10, he says, don't be deceived. You know, adulterers and fornicators and homosexuals, effeminate, revilers, extortioners, all these people and drunkards. Well, I heard God's kingdom, right? But look what he says in verse 19, 19 and 20. A little bit after that, he says, Or do you not know that your body is what? A temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God. And you are what? You're not your own. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, man. We're created by God. We're created in His image. We're not our own. We belong to Him. And then He bought us with His blood. Do you really believe that your body belongs to Jesus? Do you really believe that? Do you really act like that? Do you really say, God, is it okay if I get drunk? Because he's saying, no, your body belongs to me. And don't deceive yourself on this issue, my beloved brethren. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, check this out. I usually talk about the spiritual effects of alcohol. But I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about the physical effects of alcohol. Just last year, in July of 2022, there was a headline in Fox News uh, website 
Sobering new study says that those under age 40 shouldn't drink alcohol at all. Catch that? So Now, I think a lot of the Fox News hosts and stuff, a lot of the Fox News people probably drink, you know. But I'm glad they at least posted this. I'm not saying all of them. Sobering new study says that those under age 40 should not drink at or alcohol at all. It goes on to say, this new study, which comes from the authors of the Global Burden of Diseases Project based in the University of Washington in Seattle, analyzed the drinking habits of 244 countries and territories. The number of people consuming harmful amounts of alcohol increased to 1.34 billion in 2020. Guys, that's like one, over one-seventh of the planet, like one-fifth of the planet. It found nearly 77% of these people were male, with almost 60% of the harmful consumption happening among individuals between 15 and 39 years old. The article states, while it may be realistic to think that people will abstain from drinking, this is what the study says, okay? The statement continues. We do not think it's important to communicate, oh, I'm sorry, we do think it's important to communicate the latest evidence so that everyone can be informed, uh, uh, make informed decisions about their health. They're warning about health for everybody under 40. If you're over 40, they warn just to drink. If you're going to drink, it needs to be a little bit, a little amount. Doesn't that sound familiar? Interesting. We provide, quote, we provide clear evidence that the level of alcohol consumption that minimizes health loss varies significantly across populations and remains zero or very close to zero for several population groups, particularly young adults. They state our message is simple. Young people should not drink. Catch that? Our message is simple. It doesn't say, ah, just in moderation. No, they're recognizing that moderation could destroy you physically. Our message is simple. Young people should not drink. But older people may, not, not will, but may benefit from drinking small amounts. Not moderately, small amounts. However, the article notes, quote, none of these outcomes are guaranteed with moderate drinking. Researchers found that alcohol provides no health benefits to the under 40s and poses risk, including injuries relating to drinking or car accidents, suicides, or murders. Wow. They emphatically state that people under 40, quote, should not drink. Now, in the past, many doctors and nutritionists would say, oh, you know, it's really healthy to drink, you know, moderately. That's, you can drink moderately. That's really good for you. That's been found to be a myth now, which I think is interesting. You can get some benefits from a little bit of grape juice. Too much grape juice, though, can be harmful, too, with just the sugar overload, right? But it's interesting. This is an article published just last month. That by the National Cancer Institute, I read this today uh, online. The National Cancer Institute, January 18th, 2023, just a month ago, this was published. The, the uh, cancer, National Cancer Institute, uh, the headline was Study Probes Awareness of Alcohol's Links to Cancer. Okay? Now, it's interesting. I know a number of people that died of cancer, and some of them were drinkers, a lot of them. And I wondered, would that have happened if they had not been drinking, you know? Uh, the, the study states nearly, this is interesting. This is the, again, the National Cancer Institute, last month, published. Nearly 7, 750,000 cases, that's three-quarters of a million cases, of cancer worldwide in 2020 linked to drinking. Catch that? Nearly 750,000 cases of cancers worldwide in 2020 linked to drinking. That's just in one year. Because cancer risk increases, it says, with the amount of ethanol consumed. All, al all alcoholic beverages, all of them, pose a risk. However, public awareness of this risk is lower than for other carcinogens. In other words, guess what? People are very aware that this could cause cancer, that could cause cancer, this could cause cancer, that could cause cancer. But they're, not, they're very unaware that alcohol is a major, plays a major role in causing cancer. I wonder why that is. I think that's part of Satan's... Uh, you know, uh, propaganda campaign that it's cool if you drink. You know, country music is all about drinking. You know what happens when you listen to country music backwards? You get your car back, your wife back, and you get sober. You know, because it's the opposite. You get it? Anyway, I've said that one before, so maybe I've used that too many times, right? Now, because cancer risk, now this is interesting. 
Listen to this study. Because cancer risk increases the amount of ethanol consumed, all alcohol beverages pose a risk, right? But then it goes on to say, recent scientific studies have revealed that even light to moderate drinking can lead to both breast and liver cancer. Even Now, read, let me read that again. Recent scientific studies have revealed that even light, light, very little, to moderate drinking can lead both to breast and liver cancer. We now know that, quote, numerous studies have confirmed that alcohol consumption increases the risk of breast cancer in women by about 7 to 10%. Okay, that, that's amazing, guys. Uh, even light drinking has been associated with the increased risk of breast cancer. Such studies of alcohol-related cancers cause... Now, this is UK chief medical officer, the CMO, chief medical officer of the UK, to lower the levels of intake in their guidelines for both men and women in 2016. Because the new studies, they're saying, wow, these new studies are showing that alcohol is really, really, can be really, really dangerous. And these cancers are real people dying of cancer because of alcohol. And what breaks my heart is many of them are professing Christians. What breaks my heart is many of them have been told, oh, it's good for you to have a glass of wine every day. Isn't that ironic? In February of 2016, okay, I just I went through a lot of studies. In February of 2016, Professor Dame Sally Davis Davies, the chief medical officer for England, okay, testified at a preliminary hearing stating this, quote, Do as I do when I reach for my glass of wine. Think, do I want the glass of wine? So he's saying, hey, I'm sorry. The chief medical officer is saying, do as I do when I reach for my glass of wine. Think, do I want the glass of wine or do I want to raise my own risk of breast cancer? That's just being frank, you know? And I, I would say, hey, do you want to risk also, if it's strong drink and not mixed down, of becoming inebriated and grieving the Holy Spirit and jeopardizing your soul? Well, Joe, I can have a glass of wine. It doesn't affect me in the slightest. Well, you got to be honest before God and have a good conscience. Because you're going to stand before God. And a lot of people, one of the biggest known things is people deny being affected by alcohol all the time. We all know people that have done that. So don't think that you're beyond doing that possibly. Are you saying that I'm lying to myself? No, I'm saying you might be. Check yourself out. And if you're drinking hard drink and when it's red, look at what the scriptures say and take it before the Lord. I mean, I don't, I, I've told you before, I don't want to float by a boat anywhere near the lake of fire, man. I want to stay clear. The same study included uh, reviews of over 10 years uh, by the World Cancer Research Fund with the International Agency of Research of Cancer and the World Health Organization Cancer Body and the author of Authoritative Bodies found that alcohol causes at least seven forms of cancer. Check this out. It causes at least seven forms of cancer. And that, quote, people consuming even low, listen to this, this is what they found, people consuming even low to moderate forms of uh, or modern amounts are at risk. Catch that? That's heavy. Okay? Quote, there is strong evidence that alcohol causes cancer at seven sites, the body, uh, probably, and probably others. Okay? It actually looks like it's others too. Connor said, quote, even without complete knowledge of biological mechanisms, that's of how, of how the cancer actually causes the cancer, the alcohol actually causes cancer. Uh, the epidemiological evidence can support the judgment that alcohol causes cancer of the, uh, uh, of the larynx, okay, of the oropharynx, pharynx, of the liver, of the colon, of the rectum, and of the breast. And I'm going to butcher this word, so if you're a doctor or a nurse that's knowledgeable, oesophagus, uh, that's one of the other types of cancer now, it's crazy because guess what? The study also goes on to say it looks like it also affects and can incur, uh, uh, exasperate or cause skin cancer, prostate cancer, and pancreatic cancer. That brings it up to 10 right there. Quote, there is accumulated, accumulating research supporting a, ca a casual contribution of alcohol to cancer at sites other than those already mentioned, particularly of the pancreas, prostate, and skin. So it's saying that there's a link there as well. It's just not as robust, but it appears to be there. That's pretty alarming, you guys, that even moderate and low alcohol inebriation, God bless you, can cause cancer. And these are real living people. Don't think, well, I won't be the one. That's what we love to do. 
The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. He that sows the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So sometimes we think, well, that'll affect somebody else. It's like playing Russian roulette, you know? You know? Even when you start drinking, you start drinking a little bit. Millions, hundreds of millions of people around the world have a problem with alcohol and abuse, right? And one in 10 in our country, one in 10 at the minimum, has severe problems with addiction and drunkenness, not to mention many others that still struggle with alcohol. And do you want to risk that becoming you or your child? You know? Now, it's interesting. When I was looking at the data, uh, this, is, this blew me away too. This is another study I was looking at. I was like, man, this is really, really, really sad because it also affects your brain. Not just a lot of alcohol, just small amounts of alcohol, moderate alcohol shrinks your brain. If you're drinking alcohol, you're shrinking your brain. Okay? And this is tied to Alzheimer's disease. Okay? These are what the studies are showing. In a, in a study in the archives of neurology, documented at uh, the Boston University School of Public Health, which analyzed 1,839 people, uh, it found that drinking alcohol causes brain shrinkage. Now, I need every little centimeter brain mass that I got. How about you guys? It's, it's, and it's, it was honestly, it's linked to dementia. Karen, uh, Carol Ann Paul, an instructor of neuroscience who conducted the study, admitted that she hoped to find that alcohol might protect against brain shrinkage. She said, my, I was trying to find it. Well, it'd be cool to find out that alcohol protects from strange brain shrinkage, right? She said she found, quote, the exact opposite phenomena to, to be the case, stating, quote, however, we did not find the protective effect. In fact, any level, this is interesting, not just heavy drinking, any level, she says, of alcohol consumption resulted in a decline of brain volume. So if you're just drinking moderately, or you just have you know, a little bit each, one glass a week, you're shrinking your brain every time you drink. That's a trip. It's a poison. Alcohol's poisonous. Well, then how, how come you know, God said to, you, for, to, to Timothy to take a puny amount with your water to kill something that's more poisonous, okay? To kill germs that were destroying his stomach. And there's some evidence that small, um, a small amount of alcohol can in some cases be advantageous too, but not moderately, a small amount. And again, where's going too far? When it affects the, way, the things you say, when it affects the way you think. Not, oh, I'm not staggering. Yeah, but you know what? Remember we read in Proverbs that your, the mind speaks perverse things? When all of a sudden you're thinking ways you wouldn't normally think, you've gone over the line. We, quote, we always knew that alcohol at its highest dosages results in shrinking of the brain and, cognitive, and gives cognitive deficit, says Dr. Petros Lavunas, MD, director of the Addiction Institute at New York and St. Luke's Roosevelt Hospital Center. But quote, he says this, what is new with this article is that it shows brain shrinkage at lower doses of alcohol. This is sobering news, isn't it? No pun intended. Fast forward to another study, 550 people documented by the British medical, in the British Medical Journal uh, in 2017, the study conducted by scientists at the University of Oxford and the University College of London found that even light and moderate drinking may uh, prove disastrous to your health and even contribute to the onset of Alzheimer's disease. Now, by the way, the things I've been talking about lately is not just people under 40, by the way. It's about all people last 25 minutes I've been talking, okay? They found that light drinking contributes to the hippocampal atrophy, a kind of seahorse-shaped uh, deal in your brain that's responsible for your memory. It affects that. Alcohol does. And that's, that gets affected. That gives you a greater chance of having Alzheimer's when you get older. The good news, I don't care how old you are, you can stop right now, amen? And I pray that you do if you're drinking too much which is an early characteristic of Alzheimer's disease and other serious dementias like front temporal lobar degeneration. You guys, it's just not worth it, you know. This study tracked uh, the drinking habits of a group of British civil servants for 30 years. 30-year study, okay? While those who drank the most were more likely to suffer from this atrophy in their brain regarding their memory, many of the light drinkers, quote, many of the light drinkers 
brains were also found to be damaged. It's a poison. That's what we're told. Isn't it interesting how, how true the Bible is? You know, It says it bites like a serpent. It, it, it poisons you. Alcohol. It's not just spiritually. It can open you to the demonic world, the spirit world, but also can have disastrous effects on your body. According to Dr. Anya Topiwala, Topiwala, T-O-P-I-W-A-L-A, so I'm going to pronounce that Topiwala, Dr. Anya Topiwala, quote, he states, we knew that drinking heavily for long periods of time had had, uh, gave bad brain health, but we didn't know that these levels of lower consumption uh, and he's a, he's a clinical lecturer at the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Oxford, right? And a co-author of the research that we're talking about here. He states, quote, We were surprised that the light, to mo- the light to moderate drinkers didn't seem to have that protective effect. They thought they'd have some kind of protective effect. Why? Because we want to think those things, man, with our vices, right? Even though they, quote, even though, quote, they are not consuming a lot, said Dr. Topiwala. Now, What's troubling about this, too, is that the study in regard to the heaviest drinkers, those who were most likely to suffer the brain damage, had only a little more. The ones they were qualifying as with greater brain damage, they only had a little more alcohol than, what they were, than the moderate drinkers. And it's interesting because uh, they were having, uh, it goes on to say this article, they had only a little more than the two medium glasses of wine or two beers a night more than that. And that was enough to cause brain damage. But they said even the light drinkers were having brain damage and the moderate drinkers were consuming these medium glasses. In fact, a whopping 65% of those who were found to be only moderate drinkers suffered shrinkage of the hippocampus. The amount of alcohol was consumed was also related uh, to how much white brain matter they lost. So they were losing white, not just shrinking their brain, but they were losing white brain matter. Okay. Uh, quote, the big fiber tracks in the brain are cabled like electrical wire, and the insulation, if you like, of those wires was of a poor quality in people who were drinking more. So it also affected the wiring of the brain. Would you pour a bunch of bad stuff in your gas tank purposely? Go to the gas station, and you, that's really bad gas. That'll ruin your engine. Oh, yeah, I'll do it. It's cheaper. And you ruin your engine. Well, we wouldn't do that with our cars. Would you give your dog stuff that you knew was going to destroy its brain? No, why would you do that to yourself? If you know these things, you still do it yourself. That's called an addiction. That shows you that you have another problem. And Paul said, we're not to, he wouldn't allow anyone, anything to have mastery over him. Amen? Amen? Even those who were classified as light drinkers as opposed to moderate and heavy drinkers were found to have 14% greater reduction in, text, in, in tests of lexical fluency over 30 years compared to those who abstained, those who stayed away from it, and drank less than half a glass of wine a week. Wow. So those who abstained or drank less than half a glass of wine a week didn't seem to be as affected as everybody else in what they call the lexical fluency. Now, lexical fluency, when I read the study, what they were talking about there is they give you a letter, like C, and then you'd have to rattle off cat, cow, calf, California, or whatever, a bunch of words that start with C. And they found out that those who drank more and those who were moderate drinkers and even light drinkers on a sliding scale were worse at it as they got older. And you're talking to a lot of people that they follow in this study than those who abstain from alcohol. I'd rather have my brain when I'm old. And if I get a pro- have a problem, at least I know I can have a good conscience say I didn't bring it on myself, you know? And I'm trying to help you guys here, okay? That's my job, is to, to bless you and to show you what God's Word says and show you how relevant it is to you today and so you can apply it to your life and encourage you to apply it. How do you apply this? Just abstain from alcohol. That's the easiest way. And if you're going to drink, drink such a little amount where you know it's not affecting the way you think, the way you talk, the way you walk, who you are, Right? And not affecting your body because it's such a small amount. But even a small amount can still be disastrous for a certain percentage of people, which is a concern. Wow. Now, listen to this. Dr. Doug Brown, director of the research and development at Alzheimer's Society, said, quote, the, the findings do contradict a common belief that a glass of red wine or champagne a day can protect against damage to the brain, end quote. You've heard that for years. Oh, a glass of wine, you know, a day. Now we're finding it causes all kinds of cancers. 
They call that moderate drinking. Well, the Bible calls that hard drink. It says it's like a viper that, that bites you. Are you mad at me? Paul says, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? I love you guys, man. And these are, I'm quoting, not, I'm not quoting some fringe studies. I'm quoting the big universities and stuff. And a lot of people that do these universities, they like drinking. I've read studies, by the way, through the years where I'll read a whole study that'll be condemning alcohol and show all the stats. And at the very end, they'll say, but it's okay to drink a little bit, you know, da 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 I'm like, moderately, but just don't. And I'm like, what? Everything I just read, you said no. But they want to be hip. They want to be cool with the other journalists. This is not, this is not the news they wanted, okay? But they're still reporting it because the studies are showing, showing this. And it's, it's just really, really heartbreaking. Uh, it's interesting. Just a couple more quotes. Uh, the British Medical Journal gave the conclusion to the study, quote, alcohol consumption, even at moderate levels, is associated with adverse brain outcomes, including uh, hippocampal atrophy. These results support the recent reduction in alcohol guidance in the UK and question the current limits recommended in the US. So saying the US's limits, mm, they don't look like they reflect the data and they're not really protecting their people uh, from alcohol, it appears. So it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, out, drinking alcohol is a form of suicide because you're drinking poison and slowly killing your brain off, uh, potentially setting your body up for can- various types of cancers. Uh, and Ozzy Osbourne, you know, he's a guy that's been pretty affected by something, right? He has a song called Suicide Solution. And in that song, we have a whole, if you go to Good Fight Ministries and you click Ozzy Osbourne, I wrote like a 15-page, 20-page, I don't know how long it is, article on Ozzy Osbourne. And I talk about a boy who, when he committed suicide, he was listening to Suicide Solution over and over again, according to his dad. They went to court and, a, uh, and they found out in court by experts on, you know, looking at the music and, and, and turning it up and, and so forth and, and, and listening uh, to I don't want to get, I get into all the technicalities in my, in my article, so I won't say, say it all here, but I'll just say this. They found there, was, uh, uh, there were subliminals that you could hear that were faint, and this came out in court, okay? Because it went to court, and if you, if you listen to it over and over again, you can catch the words, and they were, able to, they were to blow it up. And it basically says, kill yourself, do it now, commit suicide, in the underlying track. And, uh, and what's interesting, too, is a, a, a UCLA musicologist he, ta- he describes the song as being carefully constructed and reaching, and he says that the song is, is, you know, gets you into a state where it actually encourages suicide. The rhythms, the music, and everything to where, the, and he says it's kind of interesting because there's no guitar solo, which kind of is a transcendent thing. It just kind of syncopates and keeps you there. And at the end, you've got this, this, this bass that's like a heartbeat. And then he says, the guitar, the, guitar so- the musicologist at UCLA says, the song ends like no other heavy metal song I've ever heard. It's like the guitar that you hear. It's not really a solo. It's just kind of whining, and, and there's moans and everything else just kind of gets snuffed out at the end. And I've heard the song. It does get snuffed out at the end. Like, it's just death, you know? Can you say that that song killed the kid? Well, it could be like gas in the fire, you know? But I will say this, is when these songs are being glorified, I just did a thing on Beyonce or uh, Rihanna. We've got, I think, almost 60,000, right around 60,000 uh, views in a, a few days, which is good. So if you guys want to encourage people to listen to that because it has a salvation message in it. She has Russian, or, or a song about Russian roulette, you know? But Ozzy Osbourne, listen to just a few of his words. What's he singing about here? Suicide Solution. Wine is fine, but whiskey's quicker. Mm, that's pretty accurate. Suicide solution. That's pretty accurate with the data I've been looking at. Whiskey's quicker, but wine will do it too. Wine is fine, but whiskey's quicker. Suicide is slow with liquor. Take a bottle, drown your sorrows. He encourages it. Take a bottle, drown your sorrows. Then it floods away tomorrows. Away tomorrows. Evil thoughts and evil doings. Oh, that's right out of Proverbs, right? We talked about that. Evil thoughts, evil doings. Cold, alone, you hang in ruins. Uh, thought, uh, though, you had, uh, though you thought you'd escape the reaper, you can't escape the master keeper. You guys, this is serious stuff. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And look what the Apostle Paul says. Because in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, you are not your own. You're bought with a price. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? 
After he warns about not misusing our bodies for fornication and, and drunkenness and things like that, he says, we're bought with a price. It's God's, we, we belong to God, our bodies belong to God. I want to encourage you to man up or woman up and say, hey, I'm going to stand against this scourge in my life. I'm not going to let it affect me, amen? I'm going to take a stand for Jesus because look why he made me. I'm made in his image. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And why would I poison my body? Is it because you, you think you're hip? Is it because you fear man or peer pressure? Uh, it's a habit maybe. It's just something you develop through the years. It, and, and you like the taste and you just like the way it makes you feel. Well, we got to put our feelings uh, uh, under God's word. Amen? amen. That whole saying facts before feelings. Amen. We need to go with God's truth. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will what? Destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. Brothers and sisters, man, we are the temple of God. We're the body of Christ, amen? And they weren't allowed to bring alcohol into the temple. The priests couldn't be inebriated and have our drink. God, Jesus is the high priest that dwells in us, right? We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, amen? But what if I just use a little bit of wine, Joe, for my, for my stomach ailments because it kills, you know, well, you don't really need that right now because there's a lot of things that can kill germs besides alcohol. But if you use it, it's not unbiblical if you use a, tiny, if you use a small amount. Okay, and the evidence seems to be that if you use a very small amount of alcohol, it's not going to harm you. But if you are a light drinker or a moderate drinker or a heavy drinker, it can cause much harm. I've been praying for you guys, I really have, over and over again, that you get this, that the church would get this. Not just here at Blessed Hope, but anybody else that hears. Sometimes we have thousands of people that listen to our messages, and I just hope and pray that... Uh, you know, if, if you're being blessed by it and you're listening by, through a live stream or you're listening through the internet, leave it leave leave and say, hey, praise God. We just got an email uh, or a, a, a text or an email. Chad shared it with me. of a lady that said her and her husband just totally stopped drinking because of something that we were saying. And this was a, a couple months, a month ago maybe, and, and that their household is blessed now. And I'm like, praise God, you know. And that was before I got in this message. So I'm, some people are, praise God, we'll take this to heart, you know. But I want to encourage you guys. It's really weird how everything's counterfeited, you know? Like, it's interesting. Satanist Alessia Crowley said to worship me. He says, I'm the serpent, the snake that gives delight. To worship me, drink wine, and take strange drugs. It's interesting. Speaking for Satan in the book of the law, he puts wine with strange drugs, right? And it's interesting because, you guys, it's a counterfeit. Why do people go to the bar? For a couple of reasons. Why? Fellowship, Fellowship and uh, usually to get drunk. Isn't that interesting? And why do they call, why do they call alcohol? It's kind of an interesting name. To drink the, it starts with the S, the word I'm a, They go to get the spirits, right? Drink the spirits and have fellowship. And that's a counterfeit to the church, man. We get together with believers and we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Amen. And they're drinking songs about sex, drugs, rock and roll, violence, all that stuff. And the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Don't go for the counterfeit. You know, sometimes you might be down. Sometimes you're going through a tough time. You're tempted to drink. Don't do it, man. Say no. Decide in your heart that that's a non-negotiable. I'm not going to be inebriated. Change your habits. Make it a non-negotiable. There's certain things in my life that are non-negotiables. Everything I see in Scripture, I try to make a non-negotiable. What do you mean non-negotiable? Meaning, when I'm struggling financially and I walk by a bank, I don't think of ripping off the bank. That's just, I'm not going there. I'm not going to take a gun there and say, give me your money. Because that's a non-negotiable for me. Okay? Well, yeah, that should be a non-negotiable. Of course, Joe. Yeah, well, it says not to get drunk. That's a non-negotiable. That should be too. So I don't even flirt with it. As a brand new Christian, just a Christian for a little while, there's two different occasions, just two, where I thought, I just have a little bit of alcohol, I'm thinking, and it affected me. And maybe it's because I hadn't drank for a long time, but it was just not a lot, and I was affected. And I was like, you know what, Lord? I'm, I'm grieved, so I'm sure you're grieved, because I think this is affecting me. And I decided, you know what? I'm not going to drink at all. 
I met my wife, and when I met her, she was an A-A-N-A-C-A, like the whole alphabet she was in, you know. I told her, you don't need a 12-step program, and that was like, what, 36 steps, because she was in three programs, you know. I said, you need the one-step program, you need Jesus. Amen. And Jesus radically delivered her, but both of us decided, you know, we just don't, get, not going to drink. And by the grace of God, our children have followed suit. A lot of times you have children who will follow your path to destruction if you take that path. But they followed in our footsteps. You can't guarantee that, but you can pray for that and try to be a good example. Amen? What kind of examples are you leaving for your kids, for your grandkids if you have children, for your brothers and sisters in Christ? We haven't gotten to the scriptures, and we won't tonight, today about, or tonight about causing people to stumble. I want to say this, though. You guys, don't go for the counterfeit. Don't be drunk with wine, it says, which leads to more sin, debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't get drunk and be filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. In fact, Acts chapter 7, 14, verse 17 says, The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what I want, man. I want to be right with God. I want to have his peace and his joy. And that comes from walking in the Spirit, obeying Him, and fellowshipping with Him and with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? So get in fellowship, man. Hang out with brothers and sisters. Don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. Encourage one another day after day. Amen? And you say, well, yeah, 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 you need to be in fellowship. Look at, some say, well, I don't need fellowship. I just, you know, just me and Jesus. No. Hebrews 3, 13, 7, Hebrews 13, 7, and 13, 17 says, obey your leaders for they watch over your souls. How can you obey your leaders if you're not in fellowship? You know, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, God warns his people, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. They forsook God. He's the spring of living water. And have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. He's talking about wells that couldn't hold water. And that's what's happening in the church today. People are forsaking God. They're not seeking him. They're not seeking him in a personal relationship. They might go to church, but they're getting drunk throughout the week. And they don't have a walk with God, which is so scary, man. And guess what? They're not satisfied. Because these cisterns that they're digging can't hold water. Therefore, they're trying to fill that void. So they're getting drunk. And then they turn to other drugs and stuff like that. But you know what the Lord says in Isaiah 55, 1? If you are thirsty, come and drink the water for me, God says. If you don't have any money, come, eat what you want. Okay, it's amazing. John 14, Jesus says to the woman at the well, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give will never thirst. In John chapter 7, verses 37 to 38, a few chapters later, man, when they're pouring out water, and I don't have time to get into the ceremony because I want to get done on time or at least early even this time. John 7, 37 says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a, with a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Amen? Come to Jesus, man. He's real. Satan is a counterfeiter. The serpent, alcohol is, is tied to the serpent. It's not an accident. God doesn't do that by accident. It's tied to Eve looking and us looking at it when it's red. It's tied to the serpent who comes in the angel of light, promises a good time, and it's tied to Adam, red, the serpent, and Eve looking. This is serious stuff, you guys. It bites, man. It bites you spiritually because as we read, you won't inherit God's kingdom if you're a drunkard. How do I know? Where's the line, Joe, so I can get really close to it? That shouldn't be your heart. You shouldn't be like, how close can I get to the line, Joe, without saying, it should be, you know, Lord, I just want to walk and follow you and do your will. I don't want to get close to that line at all. Amen? So if you're questioning where the line is for yourself, like, am I doing too far? Back up. Amen? Because the Bible says anything not done in faith is what? Is sin. When in doubt, throw it out. Amen? Amen? Amen. We used to have a, uh, you know, a saying I was telling the brothers that, uh, that, and thank you guys again for working on those bathrooms and they're setting the tile in there. I don't know if I said that to you guys, but we had an old saying. Someone, as tile setters, when I was a tile setter, when in doubt, grout it out, you know? Just, grout can help you a lot, you know? But you know what? I don't know if that was the best rule for a tile setter, but you hear that one a lot. But as a Christian, when, when in doubt, Throw it out, man. When you're like, hmm, does this grieve God? I don't want to do anything that grieves him. Amen? Now, guess what? Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him may be what? 
might be what? Saved. So this is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of conviction. If you're walking in Jesus and you're going steady and you're like, hey, I'm in a good place. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm, I'm not being affected by alcohol. Praise God. More power to you in Jesus. Amen. The Holy Spirit continue to empower you. But if you're like, man, I've been blowing it. My prayer is the Holy Spirit will convict you and let you know there's hope. See, condemnation, Satan condemns you. He wants to condemn you. Say there's no hope. You're doomed. It's too, too, you've gone too far. It's too late. You can't be redeemed. Okay? No, Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I won't cast away. Amen? And it's important for you to understand that there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction says, hey, if you're blowing it, turn to the Lord. He will forgive you. Turn to me. He says, come to me, right? All of you are weary and heavily burdened. I'll give you rest for your souls. Let the, let the wicked man forsake his way, right? And the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. Come back to me. He says, I'll abundantly pardon him, right? James chapter 5 says, Brethren, if any of you turn from the faith and one brings him back, turns from the truth, and one brings him back, he'll save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. Amen? So I want to encourage you, if you're like, man, I think I've been backslidden. I think I've been getting drunk. Repent right now, man. The little bit of pleasure that you think you're getting from that is so temporal, and it's going to go, and you're going to have all eternity separated from God. Just put your foot down and repent. Well, what about what my friends think, man? Be concerned what God thinks. Amen? Be, be concerned what God thinks. Amen? Amen. Man, come on. We've, how many, raise, don't raise your hand. I'll raise my hand. We blew it. I blew it as a, man, I blew it in my past. I just have some bad chapters of ruining my brain and everything, with not just alcohol, other things too, man. But thank God, you know, he redeemed me and he's restored a lot of that. He can restore, it says, what the locust has eaten. Amen? Come to the Lord and he can restore a lot of things in your life. There's beauty. He takes the, the ashes and he brings beauty out of the ashes. Amen? So come to the Lord Jesus and, and cry out to him. And pray that he would not only restore you spiritually, but physically. Amen. And guess what? He promises if you come to him, he'll forgive you. Amen. Amen. And he'll give you strength. But I want to challenge you in, in, in love. Make fundamental changes in your life right now in the name of Jesus, man. And say, you know what? I, if you're struggling, like, man, I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up. It's going to be really hard. That shows you there's a big problem, as I said. If you know the truth and you're struggling to give it up, there's a problem. But then you say, wait, 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 there's no problem with me, Joe. I'm not getting drunk. I'm not getting buzzed. I'm not letting the alcohol change the way I think and talk. It doesn't affect me at all. It's not affect me at all, absolutely. And you're sure about that, then I'm, then I'm not, then that's you, you, between you and God. Then I say, praise God. But if it is affecting you in any way, it shouldn't be because God did not design it. It's a poison. It's a leaven. It's actually a poison. So repent of it and turn to Jesus and be free. Amen. And find your fulfillment. Find your joy. Find it in Jesus. Find it in a relationship with him. Drink from his word. Drink from his spirit. Stay in prayer. Man, there's nothing more excited. I was a drunkard and everything else. Before I was 18, I did a lot of sin, man. Me and my brother Tom over there, and Tom was good to see from Idaho, we partied like crazy for young guys, you know. Smoked my first joint in fourth grade. You know, Tom, don't worry, I'm not going to throw you under the bus. But we were brawlers and everything else. We fought a lot of people in see me. After I got saved, he still needed to get saved because then they said, now Tom's fighting everybody. You know, Dave Nelson would tell me that. I'm like, my heart would break. I'd be praying for Tom. Lord, save him before he gets stabbed or something, you know. Then Tom got saved, okay. But my life before Christ was a mess. After Christ, since I've been 18 till now, now I'm 27, is it? Something like that, you know. I'm, 50, I'm 59, man. 59 years old. I have been so blessed in Jesus. Tom's blessed. Amen? Our lives have changed. And the guys we hung out with, Steve Riley and, and uh, Dave Nelson, who went to be with the Lord, Mike, Mike uh, Johnson, they were our closest friends we, we hung out with, man. They all got saved and turned from all that stuff, you know? I encourage you to turn from it. There's new life in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Can we all